This is Writers Not Writing, the show where you can get to know your favorite writers and soon-to-be favorite writers by listening to them confess to the ways they procrastinate. Thanks for procrastinating with us. I'm Benjamin Gorman, and the quiet guy behind the glass there is Doug the producer. I write novels and collections of poetry and stuff. Doug tries his best to make me sound better. And each week we have a secret word to listen for. If you catch it, you earn the right to take an extra break at the time of your choosing from whatever is stressing you out. From Not A Pipe Publishing, welcome to Writers Not Writing. Today's secret word is gibberish. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm very excited to get to introduce today's guest. We have Annie Carl. Annie Carl is a, a disabled author and the editor of Soul Jar, which is a uh, an anthology uh, exclusively by disabled authors. Isn't that correct? Yes, and that's that correct. drops a week from today from Forest Avenue Press, which is very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah that's uh, <laughs> that that is that is awesome. So thank you very much for being here. How's it going today? Oh, very well. Thanks. Um, I just had my flu shot. So if I like at some point start to tilt over, you know, that it's just all part of the yeah. part for the course, right? Being responsible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I went and got my flu and fourth, uh, you know, uh, COVID shot at once and was like, we'll see how this goes. And then yeah. uh, the other day when they had that thing where they tested the, uh, the, the uh, phone system nationwide. Oh, yeah. I read on Twitter the night before somebody was saying this is going to activate the chips in all the people who are vaccinated and they will all start, they will become zombies. And so I shared that with my class and we had just a great laugh when that thing went off and we're like, oh, you know, how many of us now are craving brains? Uh, so uh, yeah, we, we, we totally flat, leaned into it. Our flat earth will spin on its exactly yes right. mix all of the conspiracies <laughs> together yes uh, right. bill gates flipped the world by making all of us run to one side of the flipped earth right. and, um, <laughs> and terry pratchett <laughs> is spinning in his grave that's exactly <laughs> yes going i told you uh, <laughs> we can see the turtle briefly as we right. um flip over yes so uh so the folks who know you know know the show who've been following along understand we always dress up in costume the folks watching on youtube can see what we're wearing and the folks uh, at home uh, we have to describe for the podcast listeners so what is it you chose to wear so the podcast listeners understand this amazing costume i uh chose to wear a hot pink bra and pole shorts with fishnets under my Totoro onesie, which is um, a fairly standard costume for me. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I I went with, uh, you know, I wanted to go with the, the Miyazaki as well. And so I went with the wood sprites from Princess Mononoke. So I've got the, you know, <laughs> thing, which, you know, when you're bald anyway, like I'm almost yeah. halfway there. So that was, that was not right? a hard one. I mean, yes. Yeah. Yes. We can rock it. We can rock um, it together, except it's cold in my house. So <laughs> yes, yes, we're both prepared <laughs> for that as well. Yes. Yeah, right. Um, so I've been so excited to have you on to talk about Soul Jar. This is a yes. really cool uh, anthology that was put together, and you just won a big award at the Pacific uh, uh, Northwest Booksellers Association. What was this award? Um, so it is um, the Buzz Books award basically during the show um booksellers go around to um eight different publisher tables 
and they get to vote for which book they think is going to be the buzziest this um, that's coming out soon um, or has just released um, this fall. And um, it was a landslide. I mean, I spent uh, the Tuesday. Uh, nope, it was Wednesday. You lose all track of time when you're at a trade show. Um, it was Wednesday. I spent my I was there from nine to four talking about um i'm gonna shift this just a little because i'm getting some sun it's not supposed to be sunny it's supposed to be october there we go no this is not a gj abrams movie this is there's no lens flaring happening yes the intentional (laughs) lens flare of seattle yes (laughs) right (laughs) um so uh so it was and i was told later by a landslide voted um this trade shows buzziest book by like everyone I talked to and that's not every single bookseller who like went to the trade show but it was um everyone who participated in buzz books so we well, um, should tell listeners this is so this is an organization the pacific northwest booksellers association is an organization that is the the regional booksellers of idaho oregon washington and alaska and, and montana and Montana. And yeah, so, so people come that's here. exciting that you've got, I mean, you know, arguably <laughs> the most important demographic, the people who are going to be making the purchasing decisions are saying, yes. this is one I know is going to be flying off the shelves. I, I am yes. really excited for that. I'm very excited. It also um, got a review in Publishers Weekly. Right. Uh, very favorable. And uh, it got a starred review from Booklist from the American Librarians Association. So it's getting a lot of pre-publication love right now which you know authors out there listening are incredibly jealous because they know that is it's tough like you know i've got to send out press releases and review requests and you know if one hits if i get a review i'm like yay that you know so that that's really wonderful Uh, although i know forest avenue does really good work too there yeah laura's fantastic I had her on the show. She's, you know, she's amazing. So yeah, I I am a big, I think everyone in the book industry in the entire Pacific Northwest is a fan of hers. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Absolutely. uh, yeah, that 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 book is going to be. I'm I'm excited about it myself, just as a reader. So I'm excited to see how that comes together. Um, Wonderful. So, um, you know, lest we get too close to writing process, uh, right? You know, try and avoid process questions if at all possible. what has been a distraction that's been keeping you away from your work this week? Mm. Well, um, I've started my holiday knitting with and crafting. So I'm a, I knit and crochet. And um, so, and I always start way too late in the season because of course I do. I'm like, oh, it's August. I have plenty of time. Yeah. And then September hits and I'm like, do not have plenty of time. <laughs> so um, for gifts, and gift giving season, I gift books and I gift handmade knitted items. So, um, for example, today is a day off for me. So I spent it in front of the boob tube. Um, <laughs> that's really like classic reference to the television. Yes, that's um, right. For those of you who don't know, TVs used to have tubes in them. <laughs> and antenna. And yes, like- exactly. Yes. <laughs> And um, so I spent a chunk of my day working on as something for a friend that uh, on the off chance that they listen to this, I'm not going to say. Yes. Yeah. Don't give it away. Do you no. sometimes pair the object? So it is it a book and a knitted object or is it yeah. for one person knitted for another? Yeah, no, often it's it's a book and a knitted thing. Um, if it's um, 
if not not all the time um i have to know if the person is a reader and will appreciate the book not all of my yeah. friends are readers which <laughs> but <laughs> but you know real like i i know this uh, couple where she is a librarian and he's just not a reader and mm -hmm. you know she's a voracious reader and a librarian and that, that, that they make it work right. <laughs> so absolutely yeah 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 um, so yeah, so that's what I um, have been spending a lot of my free time on that's not reading, writing, uh, is crafting. Yeah. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. Very distracting. Uh, so what about in the week's news? What has been distracting? Oh my God. Okay. Uh, I hate saying it, but Islam, uh, not, yeah, um, uh, Israel, there we yeah. go, Israel, that's the right eye, yeah. and Palestine, and I have many many conflicting thoughts about this um i have a few friends who are palestinian um chief among them hannah mushabek um who is a published author out of um uh massachusetts and uh, she has a picture book out actually about what happened to her family uh her palestinian family um and their um ancestral home that they no longer have access to and so um, while a lot of Western news and Western uh, countries are siding with, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure I agree with that. But the whole thing is really conflicting and there's a lot of mess that Western culture has caused, that Western countries have caused. Um, Israel, I mean, Netanyahu has really screwed the pooch. How how much am I allowed to swear? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, YouTube apparently cares. The podcast okay. don't care. Okay, uh, so I will keep the swearing to a minimum. So, but he's he's been tried for war crimes. Oh, the guy is awful and, and incredibly corrupt. Terrible. And by the take like, over the government there via this judicial coup. I don't know if you've heard of that about that. Yeah, trying to yeah, make it yeah. so that the courts can't even be a check on his power. The guy is right. terrible. It and is yet we know in a situation like this, there's this rally around the flag effect, and people go, right. "Okay, well, we all didn't like him, but in this time of you know, it, it's been right. interesting." People have been saying this is israel's 9 11 and i'm my response to that is do you remember how many horrible things we did as a consequence of 9 11 oh like gosh. that's not good right. that should it's be a real okay. you know we rallied around a terrible leader and did awful things to our own people as a consequence yeah. like it's reminding me a little there was this west wing episode speaking of 9 11 when west wing was a thing and i rewatch that show every year because it's a really great reminder of um, political science and how uh, our government is supposed to work right um i uh those of you who are listening to the podcast didn't see me use air quotes just then um i i think about the episode that the special episode that they did right after 9 11 and yeah. i'm equating that to right now so a lot of people are talking about palestinians and their terrorists and this whole thing and it's like you're talking about hamas Right. And they're equal to the KKK and Al Qaeda. Yeah. The Palestinian people have been in an open air prison for 75 years. Um, so it, it's a, such a messy situation. And I'm really shocked that everyone is kind of siding with Israel. And I'm, I'm technically a Catholic Jew, so I am not thrilled by a lot of the things that have happened to Jews in this country either. 
at the hands of Palestinians, but you have to remember that the Palestinians, um, that's like their terrorist organization right. that are, that are um, acting this way. It's, it's not the Palestinians that are living in terror every single day. Yeah, we so, have such a um, tendency to oversimplify and to say, mm-hmm. oh, this must be, I, I have to side with one side or the other. And I'm going, mm-hmm. no, I can feel, you know, the, the horror uh, for the, you know, the, the hundreds of Israelis who were citizen yeah. non-combatants who were victims. And I can also feel for the horror of the shelling for the thousand Palestinians and more, you know, and I can, I can, I can feel empathy for both. This is really, really terrible for a lot of non-combatant civilians who yeah. are trapped. Absolutely. Um, if you, yeah, if you look at the numbers, it is every year, there are thousands of Palestinians who are killed by Israeli soldiers and hundreds of Israelis who are killed by Palestinian terror groups or terrorists. And I would love it if no one was killing anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love the idea of anyone dying or being killed by anyone else, but it's like the, the numbers are really unbalanced. So yeah. Western countries and cultures are deciding to weigh in certain ways and i'm i'm not sure i'm for it um yeah so that's been real distracting in the last few days um and concerning for me um and and friends that i have that are palestinian and israeli you know and and the kind of hate they're gonna get um for speaking their truths and so i'm trying to support everyone which sounds like an all lives matter sort of bullshit sorry sorry i mean yeah that that is i mean how can we yeah it it is a quandary because i don't want to say i'm not you know i'm I'm not concerned about this or i don't take a stand or you know like you know but my stand is with innocent children and innocent civilians walking down the street and uh, you know i'm concerned for folks who are in an awful situation that, you know, I, I blame BB. I blame the British for drawing mm-hmm. the lines that they drew. Oh like, God. you All know, like this, this goes back a long way. <laughs> it goes back a long, long way, very long way. And it goes also um, in that West Wing episode. If you decide to watch it, friends, please do. It's a special episode they did in response to 9-11. And they address a lot of these issues, actually. And in a really intelligent and interesting and biblical way. Um, cause they take it all the way back to the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, we, there, I, I wonder if people will even talk about the fact that the Gaza Strip borders on, you, you hear about, oh, well, the, the Egyptians have closed the border, but mm-hmm. you don't hear the Jordanians closed the border first. Like, yes. you know, the Jordanians don't want the refugee crisis. The Egyptians don't want the refugee crisis that would happen if, if, uh, you know, the, 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 non-combatants were to be allowed to leave so there are a lot of different forces creating this pressure cooker uh and it's gonna explode at times because it's awful when you know and nobody really wants to deal with the underlying issues so not at all all Um, right now that we have discussed that terrible messy right Right. But I mean, I think it's, I think it's good to not, you know, shy away from that. So I, I, no, I don't mind that at all. That, you no, know. And it's been very distracting for me um, because, you know, I, I see my friends who are Palestinian who are posting and they're getting called terrorists. And I'm like, well, no, they're actually just using their words. <clears throat> Excuse me as I choke on my own spit. Um, and then I see my Israeli friends who are Jewish, who are posting about 
the whole thing also. And they're being called terrorists. Um, and it's like, um, can we just not go to that extreme? Yeah. Please? And extend people some, right? you know, some, some concern and empathy for, you mm-hmm. know, somebody saying, I am concerned about my nephew who is there, regardless yeah. of whether they are, uh, you know, uh, uh, American Jew or Palestinian, they're concerned for their nephew. They're a human being yeah. concerned for a loved one. And nobody needs to hurl an epithet at the sentiment of being worried about a family member. Like, yeah. No, no it's a, a very violent, messy situation right yeah. now. Um, so, uh, to, to change the, the, uh, the, the subject, uh, dramatically, you've already mentioned one hobby that's, you know, the, 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 the knitting, which is that yeah. gift giving. Are there yeah. any other hobbies that, that uh, come away from your, from your work? Constantly? Yes. Um, I am a pole dancer. Um, and that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, we don't strip for money, but we often strip because, you know, you get warm in dance class. Um, I'm a disabled pole dancer, so that's a smaller group. Um, and, um, I am one of the few physically disabled people at my studio. Um, there are many like chronically ill, uh, invisible, uh, neurodivergent dancers who are at my studio. And that is wonderful, but I am, I think the most obviously disabled person who dances at Mora Pole and Ariel in Linwood, Washington. Yeah. I shout will. out. Yes, I'll um, put a link in the show notes. Uh, shout out to them. <laughs> so how, um, when did you get into this? Well, I actually um, started, uh, so I, I own a bookstore, The NeverEnding Bookshop in Edmonds. Also Washington. linked in the in the show notes. So yeah, everybody check yeah, out yeah. one of my favorite bookstores. Yeah. Um, I, 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 so what happened was I originally started out in um, Bothell, Washington, and then um I uh, was essentially kicked out of that space because another tenant wanted it. And um, I'm not a very political person for that kind of thing. I usually just try to get along with everyone and that didn't work in my favor that time. Um, So I found this new space and it shared a wall with Mora, Pole and Ariel, um, which wasn't Mora at that point um, and has since um, shifted owners and um, uh, from two owners to one. And um, Carrie, the owner now, came over on like my second week in the space and was like, oh, hey, hi, we play really loud music and I give you six months before you start dancing here. And she was absolutely correct. I was really curious about it, mostly because um, as a child, um, I so I've been disabled my whole life. I was born with a rare spinal birth disability called lipomeningomyosil. I dare you to spell it, audience members. If you can spell that without I'm not looking sure it I can on Google, pronounce it, having heard it only once. Lipomeningomyosil. <laughs> Did I get it? Lipomeningomyosil. Lipomeningitis. Lipomeningomyosil. Yes. So those of you who are savvy at, at uh, wording and spelling, this is a good like long wordle sort of challenge yeah. for you. Um, anyway, so as a, a child and even into like my early tweens, um, I kept trying to do like gymnastics, um, ballet, jazz. My sister was um, a ballet dancer for a long time. And um, I had almost every single instructor tell me, no, you're not a good dancer. I didn't look like any of the other students. My body is, um, I'm sitting right now. You can see my baldy head with my shunt. That's from um, 
stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma 15 years ago. I'm in remission. I'm cured. I've been good for 15 years. Um, those of you who are watching on YouTube can see that. Um, but I've been disabled my whole life. And so being told that at a young age that I would never be a dancer or a gymnast, except for one coach who thought I could enter into the special Olympics. But at that point it was more for, um, mental disabilities, like severe mental disabilities. Um, and so I, I didn't really qualify at that point for special Olympics. So when Carrie came over many years later, this was four and a half years ago and said, you're going to start dancing here any minute. And I was like, I don't think believed that. in you right from the jump. Yeah, she really did. And I was like, I no, no, I'm not a dancer. Um, but I hadn't really found a fitness thing. Like I don't love walking. Walking for me is a challenge. I uh, can't run at all. I have fused ankles, so that's not a thing. I hate the gym with a violent passion. Um, I don't really love yoga, or I didn't at that point, or doing it at my house. Like, I wasn't motivated to do anything physical, and I never really had been encouraged to do anything physical in my life other than physical therapy exercises. Sure. So six months later, I sort of knock on Carrie's door and was like, how do I sign up for private classes because I was really shy about signing up for um classes with other students who wow. look normal again air quotes um because no one's really normal and all of our bodies are very different and then after about a year it was after the COVID shutdown um my two instructors Carrie and Victoria basically said I couldn't take privates anymore. I had to start doing classes because there's a social aspect to pole dancing. And they were absolutely right. And I was really nervous about that at first. And then um, they run a body positive, fantastically open, inclusive studio in the best possible way. I can't even tell you how awesome the studio is. Um, and so I showed up and I've only had one instance of bullying and that person was asked to leave immediately. And this was about a year after I started dancing with Maura and they were asked to leave immediately and not come back yeah. um, uh, by a different instructor. And so it was, um, it's been the most positive fitness uh, and sort of life experience I've ever had. I am super strong in my upper body. Oh my gosh. My it's like swimming. So it's your yeah. shoulders and your upper back and core, you can actually see four of my abs. That's outstanding. Yes. Um, and, uh, and so this is how I came to it. And um, Victoria especially is like, uh, cause I, I struggle with some of the things that are very strengthening in the legs. My legs are not very strong, but, um, my calves especially, and my flexibility in my hips is a little different. Um, so I modify a lot of moves and technical classes can be sort of challenging. I'm still technically a beginner in pole one and, but that's not actually what I am anymore. I'm like an advanced beginner. Um, and so I modify a lot of things and it just, it brings me so much joy. If I'm having a bad day, if I'm really stressed about something, you leave it on the mat, you leave it on the pole, you take it out on the pole, you play a really angry song if you're pissed about something. Cause at the end of every class we do, um, a freestyle and freestyle is my jam. It's where you let your weird out. 
It's where you just do whatever you want. It doesn't have to be technical. As long as you don't fall and hurt yourself, you can just kind of let it out. Let your freak flag fly. And so freestyle is my favorite part of pole because it is the easiest part of pole for me. And I've actually competed a few times. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I came in fourth and third the two times that I did it. Oh, that's excellent. One was a dra- uh, dramatic, which I listen um, usually for freestyle. I, I pick very dramatic songs. And then the second one was for freestyle. And I had for freestyle, um, you just put on pole shorts and a bra and then um, the judges pick the song for you. So you don't know what kind of song you're getting. Yeah. And that's how it is in class. So if you haven't heard the song before and my musicality, not a humble brag, but my musicality is like off the charts good. So, (laughs) Well, and I'll bet you're getting really, really good at like, like modifying choreography on the fly. Like this is what I'm feeling I can do today. And with my upper body strength, I can do, I can, I know I can nail this, you know? Yes. And um, yeah. So, and I often check with the instructor because if like the, so the class is, um, three sections. It's a warm up. <clears throat> it's a mat based warm up that includes a lot of yoga moves <clears throat> and um, sensual based movements. And then we do some conditioning on the pole, and then it's choreo, and then it's freestyle. Um, so we learn a little choreo routine that we can record and post or just record and see how we're looking, you know. And, and recording is actually really important in the pole journey to see how you're progressing Mm. and if you're not sure how to nail a move and then you nail it and you get it on video and you're like, Oh, right. That's how you do it. So, um, I'm very careful about asking the instructor who like, there's a move called genie where you hook one leg high and you fall backwards and you hook the other and it's you're sideways on the pole. There's no way I can do that. So I'm like, well, can I do a front or back hook? Those of you who are pullers in the audience will understand what I'm talking about. And I always check because I don't want to, um, like if they have another move afterwards that you have to be in a certain position for, Yeah, I, I want to make sure that I'm respectful of the instructor and their choreo. And almost every instructor is like, oh yeah, just modify how you're comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I've never had an instructor say, no, don't do that move. Or if they have, it's, they give me something else that I can do. And it's because of the next movement after. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, I mean, it's, it's a lot of learning. Like, it seems like it would be like learning martial arts. Like it's a lot of sequential Mm -hmm. kind of, this is getting more and more difficult and technical and, you Mm -hmm. know, and you get deeper into it, but that's, Mm -hmm. that seems really cool. I, I am, I'm envious. I am so unathletic uh that my <laughs> my knee has been giving me a hard time and I, I i think i probably have a torn meniscus and oh. i'm like that that's a thing athletes get i can't have that <laughs> yeah. well, it's also you something that um, have, people know, who get age get you yeah know, it's, i'm just I'm, as close as i get to an athletic injury as i've aged into it like <laughs> it's very unfortunate that's how a lot of disabilities um, work is our bodies start to like my husband came home from soccer a couple of weeks ago and his knee was enormous and i was like oh god you know we're both going to be 40 next year um and um i will say this poll we our oldest dancer is 72 um and he is also a Pilates person and he mostly does hammock and lira, which is um, the, the hoop and hammock is just a connected piece of fabric. That's yeah. exactly what it sounds like. 
Um, so it's, uh, it can be a very, I mean, you know, you watch the videos and it's women with their legs like stretched out to here and, but it can also be a very gentle sport. Um, you, you, as long as you're listening to your body, it's very adaptable sport. Um, they're talking about having it in the Olympics and I'm like, hell yeah. Have you seen what some of these people do? There's a reason they're earning money in clubs. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, it certainly is incredibly demanding. It is always interesting to me that kind of line between sport and art form. Like this is an art and, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, judging the art in a competitive way then makes it a sport. And that is, you know, that, that is, uh, the, you know, cause there are going to be judges and there's always going to be an element of subjectivity. It's not like who crosses the finish line first, you know? And so right. uh, yeah. that, that is, that is interesting, but you know, how do you, how do you draw that line? If, you know, yeah. if uh, water dancing is a sport, then absolutely pole is a sport. Like, you know, it is, it's this art form. Rhythmic gymnastics you know. too, I think is yeah. the analogy i've heard yeah that would make sense but also yeah uh water dancing yep yeah or trampoline is now an olympic trampoline. sport I believe. yes yeah, i that saw is, that yeah so <laughs> yeah that's well that is very cool yeah that's it uh, and it is nice that it can be a life lifelong thing like you know i yeah. thought about i thought about just doing like tai chi like just mm -hmm. something to you know I, I i i'm not a combatant i just need to be limbered up and you okay. know take good care of my brain too it'd be good for my mental health <laughs> <laughs> no. If you have a pole studio near you, you should totally like. Yeah, I should. I, that would yeah. be actually that would fit my personality really well. <laughs> I, I would get a big kick out of that too. Like, you can do, do it with your partner. Yeah, you're 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 looking great lately. What's up? I've been I've been I've been doing pole, and people would just. Yeah, I'm serious. Like, yep, that uh, that's right for you. Like, if you look up <laughs> some of the male pole dancers, I follow a few, and they're flexy and strong. They're yeah. flexy and strengthy, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the, the 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 strong thing just in like I just go oh that that's other people, but you get there like I just have well, to you know, convince myself. If you're ever in Seattle, let's do a pole foundations class together. Oh my gosh, yeah, we totally good. should do that. that yeah. I I love that idea. Yes, yeah. I, that's what I need. I need somebody who's going to be gentle and be like, yes, I understand that lifting up your body weight is challenging for you at this point. Don't worry, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's well. do that. Yeah, Next time that, you're that in town, a, let me know. That would be a total kick. I, I, yes. <laughs> now I'm fun. like, I need to plan a trip up to Seattle. That would be so much fun. Yeah, it would be cool. Um, so one of the things I always ask folks about to just help readers get to know you is if you were a Dungeons and Dragons character, uh -huh. what would be your race and class? If the character wasn't one you were making up, it was actually you, but you as a D and D character, what would be your race and class? I would be a dragonborn cleric. And why so? Um, well, I love dragons for one thing. Um, yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, so a bard is a little too on the nose for me since I'm a writer. Um, I'm not a singer and I don't write songs. I write books, but, um, yeah. I, I feel like I want to, um, I, I don't want to nail myself down to just one pigeonhole. So a cleric is a magic user. I mean, those of you who play D&D, &D, which I do not actively play D&D &D anymore. It's been many, many years. Yeah, it's been, been a long time uh, for me too. Junior high, <laughs> which was many, many years ago. Um, but I, I like the idea of being able to use magic. I've always loved the idea of being able to use magic. So, and I just, um, I love the Dragonborn. I think they're a really interesting race. So uh, Dragonborn Cleric, which are actually a bit unusual. I was doing a little research about uh, about them in D&D, &D, and you have to really work hard to become a dra uh, Dragonborn Cleric. And, and is that um, because of the kind of lore of the Dragonborn, or why is that? Um, it, uh, let's see. 
I looked it up on Google. So this is not knowledge that I have. Um, that's just to myself. So I looked it up because I wanted to be a dragonborn cleric. Um, and uh, dragonborn, the best class for them is barbarians, bards, fighters, paladins, sorcerers, and warlocks. And I was having none of that. So dragonborn clerics dedicate their lives to one of the three great dragons, Manyohi, Dragon Lord of Life, Ido, Dragon Lord of Knowledge, who I would like to dedicate my life to, um, or Buluku, Dragon Lord of Justice. I'm not, I mean, you know, justice. Yeah, more paladin-y. Yeah. 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 So um, it's a, it's a little bit harder since Dragonborn are kind of beefy and um tend to go more for the barbarian roles and it's like well no let's have a thoughtful dragonborn wouldn't that be cool yeah that'd be really cool well um, and clerics are often the healers of the party too so you'd have magic you know offensive and defensive magic which would be yeah. cool yes very cool so, okay so yeah. you're being ambushed three level one goblins jump out I at you in the four level one goblins what do you do i have my 20 sided i borrowed some dice from my husband who is actively dnd Yes. Um, <laughs> I would like to use my knowledge of um, words um, because I follow Ido. And so, and Dragonborn um, uh, speak three languages um, and can speak uh, common um, and then two others. And I don't remember what the two others yeah. are because, um, but I, I would like to um, uh, approach them with language and with knowledge and um, kind of talk them down that way yeah. and then use my sword if I can't, cause you know. <laughs> but as a backup, start with, you know, the de-escalation. Yeah. escalation yeah, for sure. Um, and the, and I looked it up and goblin, goblins speak common. So that is something we have in common. Yes. So you've got a common tongue. You can yeah. explain yeah. to them. This isn't wise for you. Look at me. I'm, I'm kind of a, I, you know, I have magic and I have the muscles. And... Right. Yes. <laughs> Let's maybe Excellent. not do that. Okay. Well, we're going to go to our ad break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you what you've been daydreaming about. This week's Writers Not Writing is brought to you by November Reconsidered by Mark Jansen. November Reconsidered is... What else? A book. A poetic journey through the month at the leading edge of winter. Part autobiography, part exploration, and about a hundred other things. Find November Reconsidered via Amazon or wherever books are ordered. Read November Reconsidered. It will change your life. Hopefully for the better. And if you'll permit me a little log rolling, the sequel to my novel, Don't Read This Book, comes out on October 17th. The second in the Convention of Fiends series is titled You Were Warned. Book two will hit bookstore shelves on October 17th from Nautipi Publishing. It tells the story of the return of Magdalena Wallace. The world's greatest writer survived the novel designed to kill readers, and now she needs to save humanity and all the monsters, too. In addition to her delightful non-binary golem friend, the compulsively foul-mouthed king of trolls, and the fan-favorite lesbian vampire, this adventure has baby werewolves. Maybe a dragon? Certainly a lot of social commentary and existential dread, a moderate amount of dismemberments and exsanguinations, and jokes. I love these kind blurbs from writers I respect so much. Be warned, this book is packed with monsters, comedy, action, romance, and adorable werewolf pups. 
writes Karen Eisenbray, author of Ego and Endurance, the Daughter of Magic series, and the Saint Rage duology. It's action-packed, filled with fantastic creatures, hilarious and sharp. We meet so many characters and return to an awesome one who is at the intersection of identities and honestly an inspiration, writes Zaji Cox, author of Plums for Months, Memories of a Wonder-Filled Neurodivergent Childhood, and Benjamin Gorman is at least three goblins in a trench coat. There is no other logical explanation, writes Maren Anderson, author of Sparks, who is at least three winged unicorns in an off-the-shoulder A-line dress. There'll be a joint launch party for You Were Warned and Kate Ristow's Shadow and Shimmer, the third in her Shadow Girl saga, at Rose City Book Pub on Saturday, October 28th from 3 to 5. Uh, that's at 1329 Northeast Fremont Street in Portland. Costumes are encouraged, so dress up as your favorite monster or mythical creature, or just dress as a human ready to teleport into the universe of a great book. The whole family is welcome, and the book pub offers wonderful food and beverages. There will be games, prizes, and an opportunity to get your copies of your book signed. I would love to see you there in person on October 28th. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. So, Annie, what's something you've been daydreaming about lately? Um, I honestly, I have been daydreaming about the holiday season. Um, and uh, next summer, um... I know those are really concrete things. Next summer, um, Ian's family does a family reunion every year. And next summer, I think I've talked them into doing it on Cape Cod, where my dad is from. Neat. Oh, and cool. um, my uncle owns my grandparents' house now. After they passed, he bought it from the trust. And um, we can fit half of our group in there. Yeah. So I've been thinking about what a fun trip that would be. Um, to introduce my in-laws to my family, we're all we're all nuts, um, which I know is not like a, a really great phrase to use for mentally disabled people, but we're all we're all a little kooky. <laughs> I think we'd all get along great, and there's a lot of drinking that goes. To yes, on. yes, that's right. It would, it would, you know, make sure it's well lubricated, and everyone will get along for you know the, the entire time. Yeah. The other thing I've really been daydreaming about and haven't had a lot of time to focus on is my next right. I have a few projects in the work in the works. Um, heaven forbid we talk about writing for too oh, much, fun. but <laughs> I you know, I, I have this story and I don't know if it would be like, I usually write short form. I usually write um, short stories or novella length books or novelette even. Um, I'm not really uh, in my teens and early 20s. I was very prolific and wrote very long, you know, sweeping epic fantasies. And and I have a seven year old and a job. So and I, I, found we, I, well, I that's interesting because I think I wonder to what extent we grow out of the kind of ranginess that sometimes infects the epic, you know, where it's like, I don't know why this side quest happened for 50 pages. And so we end up writing tighter work as we go I mean some of it could just be life happens and we've got yeah. 10,000 other things to do Indeed. but yeah I, th I think there's there's something in the craft of writing tighter too yeah I found that I really enjoy seeing how short I can make a story now I don't do flash fiction that's a little that's too short for me um, but usually about 5,000 words is where I like to sit um, with a short story and I, I I don't know this this idea this project has just been bashing the inside of my head for mm, a while now 
a long while now. And you're all going to laugh because it's mixing two of my favorite things is pole dancing monster hunters, <laughs> which I think would be really amazing. I, I think it sounds awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, and I've actually talked with um, some of my instructors and some of my pole dancing friends um about this idea and they're like oh man if you need to interview someone about that you know i'm here for it yeah well <laughs> so, um so i've been daydreaming a lot about how that might work how the structure um some of the pole dancing moves how the dancing could be incorporated why pole dancers maybe it's a coven of witches or something and it's based in a studio so i've really been like that every day i think about that story and I think I need to, I'm getting to the point where I need to make time to sit down. I have a free write typewriter and I just need to bash it out on there and see what comes out. Well, uh, so th this, this would totally work if you're interested in this project, or you can tell me this project is a terrible idea. I am working on part three of this trilogy uh, mm -hmm. of mine, the, the Convention of Fiends. And the conceit is all the monsters in the world meet for a convention every year in Las Vegas to figure out how they're going to maintain their secrecy. But all the kinds of monsters that have ever been conceived of exist in this universe. Uh, right. And it's, you know, and so the plot of the trilogy is they, they you know, they, they convince this, they manipulate this writer into writing a book that will kill whoever reads it, thinking mm -hmm. they're just going to shrink the world's population. But the villainous monster knows it's actually going to wipe out all of the humans and the other <laughs> monsters then have to intervene because we are the food. And so that's, you know, but uh, I thought that that story will, that arc will conclude at the end of the third book. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, my plan is the trilogy's done, but I thought it would be really cool now that this universe is created to reach out to other authors and say, would you like to populate this world of monsters with <laughs> other stories of monsters who live in a world where there are plenty of monsters? And so, I mean, pole dancing witches would be perfect for the convention <laughs> of fiends kind of universe where it's you know yeah. how do we keep ourselves a secret and do the things that we do and what do they you know what do you have what what do they feed on all the different kinds of monsters you know the the, the vampires are the most obvious you know they blood but like the trolls eat anger and so they have become internet trolls because they like to make people angry and you know right. create rage and they and the, uh, rage, you know yeah. The, the yeah and so the uh you know the, the gremlins like uh uh you know to to create chaos and um the, and and then they they that's where they get their this energy source for them and so you could you have to think of what a pole dancing witches take you know maybe they are taking that kind of erotic energy from the audience you know and they're doing or maybe it's from one another they are taking the kind of mutual support so i, I think there'd be so if that's something or is it would it be i mean i guess the the other question is would it be so self-serving to even ask authors hey would you like to write a story in this universe would you like to write fanfic for my books that they'd be like screw you i'm insulted by that question even uh, i think but, it'd be fun yeah. I think it's fun. I mean, um, my pole, pole dancing monster hunters, they're monster hunters. So they would hunt the monsters. And I've got monster hunters. So right. yes. So, and and the, the group of monster hunters in the book lose in the course of this sequence. But the, the you know, that the, the idea of monster hunters has been introduced. There are monster hunters. So mm -hmm. that would totally work to have monster hunters in this universe. But you know the ones that I have oh. are like these very, like you know, uh, broy. They look like a, a group of uh, like Blackwater, you know, mercenaries. But they're so 
pole dancing monster hunters would be so much cooler. Like, and, and I, I would love to read that. So we'll talk, but I, I yeah. would love that story. That would be super fun. That would be super fun. Uh, yeah, let's chat. I, yeah, and I then I, you really know, my like thinking is, do you put together a whole anthology of what do other writers want to incorporate in a world where all the monsters exist i just think it'd be really fun so that could be really fun i don't think that's self-serving at all i think that's um you have the source material kind of already yeah. and like opening it up for people to play in that world i think that's a really fun idea well i've I got to finish my... the third book and then when the third oh, yeah. book is done i will Sorry, say to folks, okay that. here you can have the trilogy <laughs> check it out see if this is something you'd like to write it here's a sandbox but uh right. so I've, i'll get to work and write I that think third that's book why fan fiction is so popular you know people have these populated worlds and these created worlds and they can just go in and play and yeah. and test out their their writing chops and i think oh. that's really fun Absolutely. I tell my students fanfic is legit. Like they'll say, I don't, re I'm not really much of a writer. I just write fan fiction for, you know, Star Trek or Twilight or whatever is the universe. And I'm like, you know, Shakespeare only wrote fanfic. Like, right. <laughs> you know, there's no shame in writing fanfic. You're saying, here's this pre-existing IP and I'm going to put my own twist on it. That's wonderful. I, yeah, no shade. Like, for a long time. Yeah. Um, because that series came out when I was a kid and I still reread it every year. I think it's a great series. Perfect yeah. guy for, for kiddos. And it's such a bummer that it's out of print now. I think Scholastic is working on graphic novels, but graphic novels take forever. And Catherine Applegate, that was like her first big project. And she just wrote them hand over fist. You know, they came out every month and yeah, it was very episodic that way. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that that's a fanfic I kind of got started on as a as a um, preteen tween. They're tweens now, not preteens. Yeah. Well, yeah, graphic <laughs> novels. I, I looked into that for some of our books. They're incredibly expensive. Like they're yeah, so right. labor intensive that uh, you know, and and then even the printing full color. Mm -hmm. You know, there. You know, and yeah. so props out there to people who, if you get your hands on a graphic novel, you've bought a book that people really invested in. So if you like graphic novels respect to that form because it is expensive to make very um okay so uh what's you've got some announcements what are some of these events that you've got coming up to promote the book well um yes next week next week's gonna be busy um so tuesday the book drops and myself and several other authors there's nine authors in the pacific northwest region um who have been included in this anthology um so six of us nicola griffith nisi shawl mika um ellis and don and myself will all be at and if i'm forgetting someone i'm so sorry um the we'll all be at elliott bay bookstore in a week at seven o'clock um for the seattle launch party uh for soul jar um, <clears throat> the 19th, Mika and Ellis and I will be at Edmund's Bookshop, um, for their third Thursday art walk. We'll be the authors there for that at six. Um, Friday, the 20th is the, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. And, um, I am a bookseller and I understand that booksellers need unions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But we're a nationwide union would be wonderful for independent booksellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but go booksellers and unionizing. Yeah. Um. Uh. We will be doing uh the Portland launch party at Powell's City of Books, um, which is going to be really exciting. And I feel like I sort of have arrived as an author. Right. A little 
it there. Um, and that will be with um, Travis Ellis, Don, Christy, George. Oh, I know I'm Mika, myself, Laura Stanfield, the publisher will be there. Um, bunches of people are going to be there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I um, might be able to make that one. That's so that's going to be on the 20th. On the 20th at seven. Yeah. I would, that's, 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 you know, near my neck of the woods and I would love yeah. to come up and see all those folks. That would too. be, that really would be great to, yeah, get to see, uh, yeah. but, but uh, it would be great to get to see, get to meet Nicola Griffith too. She's amazing. And uh, oh, she won't, she won't be at the Powell's yeah, one. She won't be at the Powell's um, one, but uh, yeah, no, you get to see LA her this Bay. next week, but uh, she's yeah. got a new book coming out too. I should reach out to her and see if I can get her on the show as well. But yeah. Uh, um, Meanwood came out on the third and it's a sequel to Hild. Yeah. And so um, she's blowing up right now because everyone's real excited because uh, it took 10 years for Meanwood to be released. Yeah. Um, so she's in everyone's orbit right now. And she wrote the Ford and has a story in um, the anthology. So um, we are expecting some national attention for that. Um, yeah, no, she won't be at Powell's. She'll be at Elliott Bay. Um, if she's not exhausted, she has MS. And, and um, I think all of the, um, post Meanwood events um yeah, it's but yeah. I mean what folks should take from this what I hope everyone is hearing is if you like Meanwood you need to buy Soul Jar because <laughs> yes. you need more Nicola Griffith right afterwards you get that's the next book you buy everyone does yeah yep. um and then uh so before the Powell's event um some of the authors and I are doing a podcast interview with Ken Jones uh for Jonesy uh at Kebu, which I'm like that's the NPR affiliate yeah. for Portland. Okay. Um, and then I am doing, um, I'm not doing very many individual events because I'm, I'm just the editor and I actually don't have a story in the anthology. I wrote the introduction um, and edited all of the stories and Laura and I put it all together. And, um, but I am doing um, a solo event at Saltwater Bookshop in Kingston, Washington. Kingston is where I grew up. It's a small town. You have to take a ferry cool. to get there or drive around through Tacoma, which takes like an hour and a half. Local girl makes good. That's very cool. <laughs> so um, they just opened in April and I'm really excited to go and do this event. Um, like I think my um, seventh grade writing teacher, English teacher is coming it. and she was very influential for me. Um, and I think if if she's in town, my ninth grade biology teacher might come and my first grade teacher might come like all these friends that I've had uh, in Kingston might show up to that. that so that warms my teacher heart. Like those right? are the great moments, you know? Yes. So I'm really, that, that event might be more of, um, a love fest yeah. than an actual event. Um, so, and, and at each event, the events for this book so we also have an online launch for because we have a we have authors all over the country so we have an online launch on november 3rd mm. and um i believe that's at three uh or four because we want to um we east don't want to do it too late for the people on the uh, east coast yeah um so all of these events are going to be really interesting and unusual because we have so many authors who are participating. So it's going to be less of an author event, more of a panel event. Yeah. Um, we're not going to do too many readings because that would take a lot of time. It's going to be more discussion about the book and why it's really necessary. 
Well, I, I, I frankly prefer that. Like I've gone to readings where I've thought, uh, Kate Ristow and I are going to do a launch party and we were talking about planning it and we're like, yeah. we will do readings because people want readings. We're right. going to keep them really short because oh, I've been to places where it's, you know, Hey, the reading is going on so long and people are going, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to get your book. Please stop reading it to me. Right. <laughs> people know, have like... the attention spans of gnats. Yeah. Um, and as a bookstore owner, uh, who has run many, many an event, I, really understand this you want to keep it short and concise and if there's more than one author you want to share the love and basically that's what entices people is you drop right. a few things and then you just kind of say here it is yeah a little hint we're one of the things we're going to do for uh, kate and mine is we're going to take like maybe just the first page and then mm -hmm. i'm going to pass out i'm going to convert it into a mad lib and so mm -hmm. we'll read our first page but Fine. it's not like a long reading it's hey this is what we wrote and then have the crowd <laughs> tell us this is what it should have been and mad lib style and i think that will be that's that's, that's a lot better it's than a, a long idea. reading i might <laughs> Feel that from you for yes the go for it yeah have the audience participation you know yeah. you tell us what should have been there and have right. it be absolutely ridiculous totally so, oh that's i am excited about those and i think that my experience is the anthology events as live events are so much better than individual events mm -hmm. because individual events if you don't either, either you do a long reading or mm -hmm. it's you know the you know the, this one voice but if mm -hmm. you can create that panel i i, I highly encourage folks to go to th these events because when there are more authors there you get to hear those different voices and the interaction which is really fun so uh, I, i'm i'm excited for you these are going to be cool. i'm i'm so thrilled i'm going to be so exhausted after all of that though i mean i am um an introvert by nature but an extrovert at my job and when i go to things like this i act extroverted and then I get home and face plant into my pillow. <laughs> my, my fiance, Crystal, talks about masking. You know, she's got this forward facing job all day long and it's a lot of energy. And then she's like, I get to come home. And on the one hand, yeah, I get to take the mask off. I'm just with you. And on the other hand, I'm exhausted. <laughs> you yes. know, and I'm like, yeah, that's legit. That's it's exactly it takes a lot of energy. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I'm an extrovert and I feed off the energy of a lot of other people. And, and then I get home and I get exhausted because I'm like, there aren't there aren't people around. I should sleep now. <laughs> you know? you so we're real fun in the evenings, down. the two of us. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things we do uh, is we'll put out a weekly poll where we mm -hmm. ask folks some question, uh, and I'm relatively consistent. No, I'm not. I'm bad about actually posting them. But uh, if I remember, what is the poll question that you would recommend that I ask? Yeah. Um... I have a few thoughts on this, um, but it's Halloween. So we're going to go with candy. Uh, do you prefer Milky Way or Twix? Ah, yes. Good. I'm glad they're both good ones. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 tougher when it, but both Milky Way and Twix are, are you know, they're, they're the, some of the keepers. So they yes, of those two, that's harder. Yeah, that's good. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. So you are somebody who, you know, has a to read pile that is a store. So yes. what's, what is something that you're looking forward to that's in your to read pile coming up? Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, at the store, I have a sci-fi fantasy book group. No one's shocked by this. Um, especially considering the nature of the anthology, which is a sci-fi fantasy anthology, um, with some light horror. Um, and, um, I'm actually really excited for our upcoming, our October book, where we read um, something a little spookier than like our usual fare. Um, and we're reading a YA anthology called Our Shadows Have Claws. Um, and it's um, uh, 
uh, Latinx authors writing horror for young adults. And the cover, <clears throat> excuse me, the cover is amazing. It just came out in paperback. And I am really looking forward to that. I am, I'm just looking at some of the books I have nearby me. Um, God, I'm looking forward to so many. Oh, I'm looking forward to reading um, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi, which is, um, those are anthologies that celebrate the 40th anniversary of um, the original Star Wars trilogies, the original Star Wars trilogy. And so the first one was um, A New Hope and then Empire Strikes Back and then Return of the Jedi just came out. And it is um, the movies written from side characters' perspectives and it's short stories. So like, for example, in A New Hope, we get the trash compactor monster. Nice. Their story, which is amazing because they turn out to be force sensitive. Not to spoil it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right. awesome. that's like in the per that's in the first paragraph and how they get to be in the trash compactor on the Death Star. Um that's and great. it's it's quite it's quite an amazing original story. Um if for those of you who have not read these anthologies, they're absolutely fantastic. And so I am a giganticus Star Wars nerd. Um my, yeah, right. Um and new shows and movies, cough, cough, JJ Abrams, cough. Um, aside, the original trilogy remains my favorite part of it. And um, do we all know that it's based off a book? The original Star Wars movie is based off a book by, here's your trivia for the day, Alan Dean Foster wrote the original Star Wars novel with George Lucas. Yes. And George Lucas basically ripped him off so alan dean foster retaliated with splinter of the mind's eye where luke and leia get together and han solo is like out of the picture and i think that book is out of print yeah <laughs> disney is yeah. not pushing it um that's interesting uh now that disney has bought a publishing company they're not uh they're mm. not pushing alan dean foster uh that's interesting. Mm, not at all um so <laughs> so that's your trivia for the day um but yeah i love any sort of um take on the original trilogy that's like that's like this this was when um they announced uh from a certain the first anthology um that's just called from a certain point of view i was so excited because you get like the jawa at the beginning from when c3po and r2d2 um get on the sound crawler you you just it's really a, they're neat anthologies because they are very side perspectives of these movies so yeah, so and I'm really are, are any of them considered canon, becoming canon, or are they all considered legends and uh, you know just for fun? Oh, um, the three anthologies are sanctioned by Disney, so it they is are. a Disney publishing company that is putting them out. Yeah, um, I'm trying to see if I have one nearby. Me. I need to get these for my son. We spent last night messaging back and forth for Here's hours about whether or not there was any way uh, uh, Filoni could kind of redeem 789 uh with you know a time skip and what comes after and noah's saying no it's impossible they're you know well, they're, they're, that's they're interesting nothing. yeah it, well because generationally Ian, like yeah. you and i are going you know uh four five six are our home right you yeah. know that's that's yeah. you know and then for him the the apex of star wars is the cartoon clone wars so he's yeah. loving ahsoka right you know right and uh, which 
like no argument from me and right. like we were joking about you know a, a, a generation from now his kids are going to be saying no dad you don't understand you know 12 13 14 are the best and right. you know and, and you know and he's going to be going no way that's terrible that's blasphemy and, and they're going to be going grandpa agrees with us and he's going to be going grandpa didn't mind seven eight nine he has no <laughs> you know taste he just wants any star wars he can get you know so uh yeah now, i, would I really will say enjoy. this um my husband ian saw on the internet recently and it was on facebook so it's like a completely unverifiable source but dave filoni is announced that he's going to do heir to the empire in 2025 which i have no idea how they would do that because han solo's out harrison ford's out um carrie fisher is no longer with us unfortunately um and i mean my deepest regret my favorite favorite non-movie character is one of the coolest non-movie characters either and you all think i'm gonna say mara jade my finger is up but it's not mara jade it's winter oh um who is uh princess leia's spy master mm. but she has um a photographic memory and she remembers everything she hears and if um i think it's a legend now but there's a book called scoundrels that timothy zahn wrote um that is a heist zahn. novel it's a heist novel with Han Solo, Lando Calrissian, Chewie, Winter, and a couple of other characters that are non-movie characters. Winter is my all-time favorite because she is Leia's handmaiden, like her head handmaiden, but really she's her spy master. That is cool. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, I, I I should tell you my Timothy Zahn story. So I, uh, oh, I, I was at a conference and uh, as a bookseller and yeah. was sitting at this table and this conference advertised out we're gonna have timothy's on this is gonna be so great and then they set us up in this room that was like off the beaten path and nobody could even figure out where are the booksellers at this place it was like here's where the people are in costume and here's where all the merch is and and -hmm. then the booksellers are in this other room and then timothy's on was like in a corner that people couldn't even find, but he was right next to my booth. So I got to <laughs> hang out with a very upset, frustrated Timothy Zahn for, you know, for a whole, he's he, delightful. Like it, it was totally great. And the 501st found us. And so we got all these pictures with me and Timothy Zahn and these guys in this awesome costume. <laughs> it's so wonderful, but um, not good planning by the people who were running the show. Yeah. Like, don't hide Timothy. You've got Timothy Zahn, you know? No, but, know. Uh, yeah, he was very cool. And the people who know, who know, they know. Yeah. They know who he is. Um, so um, I was just going to show my copy of um, From a Certain Point of View, Return- The Return of the Jedi. And I'm looking. Um, so actually, the publisher, if we can all see the spine there, which is really blurry, but I it's cannot random. see it there. What is it? But we will put it's, a link in the show notes as well. It's, uh, Random House Worlds. So it's not actually Disney, um, but it was sanctioned, obviously shang- sanctioned by Disney because it has this in the front page, yeah. 40 years yeah. um, Return of the Jedi. So they must have worked with Random House to put out those anthologies. Um, so yeah, so that's, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for like every book I pick up. That's my next read. I'm like, I'm so excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that kind of a reader. Well, and that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the way I am too. I get very, very excited. And, and, and if, you know, I used to not for, for many years, I avoided series and I don't 
fully know why, but it was like, oh, this is a one-off, but this is a series I'm not, I don't want to invest. And mm-hmm. lately I've been going, oh no, th- this, I, I love series. And so I'll get into these series that are long and I'm like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm, but yeah, it's that excitement of yes. book five, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. so, um, so let's see. Uh, so the next question I got for you is who should I invite on this show? Oh, I think all of the people that I would think of, you've maybe had, like Kate Ristow yes. and Laura Stanfield, Gigi Little, who's the cover artist for... I have not had Gigi yet. She Ooh. would be very cool. Gigi would be amazing because she does cover art for um almost, almost no, all of Forest Avenue Presses. She's done a and couple she, of ours too for not a Yeah, paper. yeah, she's fantastic. She fantastic work but i've not had that you know and, and she, yeah but she would be great to have on that's would a be great great yeah, suggestion she's amazing yeah. um i would also um throw out there my friend lish mcbride who has an incredible sense of humor um she writes uh young adult and has a she's supernatural so her very first book was hold me closer necromancer uh and a great title so- I know, right? The sequel to that is even better, Necromancing the Stone. Oh, um, gosh. Right? Her sense of humor is um, is outstanding. Um, she is um, self-publishing, um, and and not the evil self-publishing, but self-publishing with the help of Vlad Vareno at um, Vervolta, who, pu- who published my second book, Nebula Vibrations. Um so she's self-publishing um, a romance series that's a supernatural romance series. All of her books, except for a few in the Necromancing series, are set in the Seattle area. She has an outstanding, like I, I keep saying, she's the funniest person I know. And she's very dry. Like, you're not quite sure if she's joking or not. She's very dark. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. That's that's right up my alley. I mean, I just she's, heard the title was like sold, done. I need yeah, to read that. Yeah, yeah. So I think Lish... Um, would be maybe I'm not sure if delighted is the right word, but sh- she would be for it. Yeah, yeah, she 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 wouldn't <laughs> seem delighted. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Oh, that's great. I will reach out. Yeah, oh, that's no, wonderful. She's, she's wonderful. Um, yeah. So Gigi and Lish, and Martha Brockenbrough. Um, she has a new book coming out next year. Um, all of my friends who are writers. Um, yeah, uh, some of the authors from. Um, the anthology like Raven Oak, who has, um, she does everything self-published on Kickstarter. Um, so she would be really fun uh, to have on the podcast. Boy, like every person who's in the anthology, I think would be really yeah. fun. <laughs> well, and that's great for me. I mean, it's it's just a menu of folks I can reach out to. So I'm going to say you have 31 authors to choose from. Yeah, so. that's so it is 31. So uh, what are the right. variety of lengths of the pieces? Um, we didn't go over 5,000 words. Okay. Um, so, uh, we, we didn't, first of all, um, that could get really expensive for Laura. Yeah. Um, and second of all, um, managing that many authors is like herding cats and managing authors anyway, is like herding cats because we all, we all have our own ideas and own thoughts. And I think that's really important and necessary, but at, um, after Laura did Dispatches from Anaras, which was her anthology um, celebrating Ursula K. Le Guin, 
Um, she swore off anthologies. Yep. And about a month later, I pitched her this idea. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. She was like, God damn it, Annie. <laughs> I've had that exact same experience where I, right. I will never do another anthology. Oh, wait, this right. is a really good idea. We are going to do this This is this a really one. good idea. So I'm but they do are this. a ton. I mean, I, I give you credit editing yeah. wise too. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work. My job kind of ended after... Um, content editing because I'm a content editor I am not a copy editor like mm. even a little bit grammatically you know I, I know about the Oxford comma and that's the most important thing right um, <laughs> um so uh once we went to content or uh, copy edits um through the press my job wasn't over and still isn't over and I'm doing a lot of um publicity with Laura um she's had some experiences in the past where people haven't helped as much with that mm -hmm. and I'm doing my best because I'm really excited about this book and I want to talk about it as much as I can yeah so <laughs> yeah that's the I mean that that is always one of the challenges is you know mm -hmm. some authors are wonderful at telling folks look I wrote something and mm -hmm. some are just mortified and they're saying nope I'm never going to tell anybody about this ever and I'm going you know, you're not what? keeping a diary. You need to tell people that you've written a thing, uh, right. and, but that it can be very, very challenging. And so yep. I'll go into an anthology going, this is going to be so wonderful. I've got a sales team of 31 from the jump. No, you don't. You've got, yeah. you know, some people who will really push it. And, and I, you know, I've had folks on the show who've been in some of our anthologies and they are calling up their local bookstores. They are, you know, doing events. They're, they're out, they're here on the podcast. They're doing stuff. And then some folks are going, nope, I just don't feel comfortable being seen. I write this, you know, and that, that is very right. challenging. Um, and with, um, with authors who are minority, our marginalized group is notoriously the invisible marginalized group. It's very hard for a lot of us. And I, I speak from experience myself and for some of our authors and um, the way society responds to people like us is not great. Yeah. It's the opposite of great. It's terrible. Yeah. And that's um, that adds a layer of intimidation. I think that makes it very hard for people to, um, to come forward and say, yes, I do want to. And now I'm, I'm definitely that kind of person. I, this is a project I believe in that I think is really important. I think it's important for it to be in the world. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, it's not nonfiction. What? It's science fiction. And they get all snobbish about it. And it's like, well, no, this, this is an important medium for my community to be seen in. Right because it it's speculative it's it's telling the future you know it's not fortune telling but it almost is you know a lot of speculative fiction has come to pass <clears throat> ai terminators any minute now yeah uh, <laughs> yeah um, algorithm you didn't hear that we still want people to see the show uh, don't make the ai angry um so it's um i'm willing to be the person who speaks up for it and and i think maybe and we do have a lot of neurodivergent authors. That's harder for mm -hmm. people um, or who are physically disabled. And it's it, it's obvious even in a, a podcast or um, a YouTube video, that's really hard for a yeah. lot of people. And so um, I think 
probably because I believe in this project so much and I want it to be in as many hands as possible. Um, I'm doing a lot. Uh, Laura is doing the bulk of the legwork, but I am backing her up every way I know how. And I'm making suggestions. And um, we just submitted all of the um, stuff for John Scalzi's big idea blog. Oh, so it's going to be we featured. Should, we on should John tag him. I'll, I'll actually like tag him in some of my tweets about the show. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. John Scalzi, I know, I know you've liked something I tweeted once. I've yeah. decided you need to, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's so cool. um, it'll be on his. I think he said October thirtieth. Uh, is when he's going to feature it on his big idea blog. How so cool. that is really exciting. And we had one of our authors, Jay Viner, uh, suggest that to us. And I was like, oh God, I cannot email John Scully. I can't email John Scully. <laughs> and then when I got his email back, his acceptance back, um, I was sitting on the couch with Ian. Calvin had gone to bed. Um, we were watching something silly and mindless. And I look at, I was looking at my email um, and I was like, John, who do I know that's a John? Because I totally forgotten about in the moment. And I handed it to Ian and I was like, who is John? And he's like, honey, this is John Scalzi. And then I fell off the couch. I was going to say, did you lose it? I would have just been like screaming. I started hyperventilating yeah. and, and laughing all at once. It was like the, the like, and I have to remind myself, he is a, he is a person. Yes. He's a super awesome person who maybe not be, a, he may not be a person. He might be, he might've transcended humanity, but. <laughs> no, but I mean, he comes across as a, just a really nice guy too. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and his message was very short. He was like, well, that week is packed. Um, how's October 30th? And I was like, yep, that's good. Uh, and I actually yes. managed to send that back to him. And then I sent him all the materials that he requests for um, the blog post. And then I had to close my email. So I didn't like stare at it for like four right. minutes. <laughs> You're just clicking the send button like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, that um, is so, that's very cool. That's yeah, really that, that's, cool. That's yeah. the kind but of I thing. Would... Like if you can get that kind of exposure, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I totally hear you though on, you know, some of our folks, we just put out an anthology this last year that was exclusively LGBTQIA plus mm -hmm. writers. Not all of those folks feel safe having their names out there, having their identity and, and, you know, and, and rightly so, like they may be unsafe if they, they may be outing themselves in some cases. Mm -hmm. And I need to kind of check myself and say, it is, it is my need to push this, but it might not be your need. And, right. you know, and it, I am safe promoting you, but you might not be safe. And so right. kind of, you know, taking a step back and saying my, my publisher concerns are not as important as your, your physical safety and your, right. your emotional well-being. Uh, but you know, that, that is, that, that, that was a, a, like a conscious moment of, you know, like, oh yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> they've got yeah. good reason maybe. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, I think any marginalized group member of a marginalized group will um it it depends on their experiences my lived experiences have um not been gentle by any means but i don't face as much hostility um for my disabilities as i think other people do um and that is definitely because i'm white straight and a woman yeah. um, <laughs> yep and, and that's i mean that's the thing my, my life experience 
actually prevents me from realizing the not prevents me, but makes it harder for that to be top of mind because I've not faced that. And so I have to go, I need to take a breath and think about the fact that this, you know, there, there are challenges you face that I don't face and Mm -hmm. what might be the, you know, the, the getting in the way for you that I've just never experienced. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I am so excited about this this release and all of the good fortune that it is having too. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's it's going to be out there and in the world, and I, I am excited to have it in my hands as well. <laughs> so, oh, oh, you don't um, have a copy yet? I don't have a copy yet. Yes. Well, next oh. week. <laughs> yes. Okay. Next week. <laughs> yes, I've got. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely going to be. Uh, if it wasn't, uh, if it was a few months out, I would have sent you a copy. But um, since it's just next week, um, yeah. visit your local indie, please. Those of you oh, that yes. are listening. <laughs> well, I, uh, I bet they'll have them at, um, I was going to get mine directly from Laura at uh, the Portland Book Fest. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I bet she'll have has- Mm-hmm. Uh, booth. So I always like to support the, the press directly mm-hmm. if possible. So I tell yeah. people, go to yeah. the Forest. A- I think Forest Avenue has a store uh, for their online store as well. They so. do. Yeah, they have a store on their website. Um, and um, yeah, if you see them at a, a convention or a, a book festival or whatever. Um, also, if uh, your indie bookstore doesn't have it, go in and demand. Yeah, demand. it helps. Order it in. Yes, you are helping the author by asking the local bookstore to get the book that they don't have yet. So please do the author a favor by saying to the bookseller, I would like you to carry this. I promise they will get it for you. It, you're they also want doing, to get yeah, you the you're book also doing the indie a favor by shopping yeah. with them. Yep. And it might not be a book that's on their radar. You know, yeah. not every bookstore knows about every single book in the universe. That's just not how it works, speaking as yeah. a bookstore owner. Yeah. And you create that relationship with the bookstore owner so that they're saying, and next time you walk in, I know you liked Soul Jar. You should check out this thing because that bookstore owner knows books better than you do. So, (laughs) you know, like, please form that positive relationship with your indie bookstore owner. The the random person working for a giant corporation does not know you, but the indie bookstore owner is your resource. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And booksellers. Yep. Indie booksellers. Yeah. Indie booksellers are amazing. They Um, are amazing. And should be paid more. Yes, and yes, yes. should be compensated as such. Very, yeah, very as such. Yes, their knowledge is is incredibly. Yeah, that books is amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. and the, the whole model of you know I'm going to go to this website that doesn't know me or care, and I'm just and 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 find something. It's not designed for finding. No. So go to your uh, your independent bookstore and ask, and then there's somebody who can actually say. I know you now. This is what you like. You would like this other cool thing. That's so much better than, you know, the algorithm recommends in an email. Oh, yeah, like absolutely. I'm also going to say um, most libraries will order in books that they don't have. Mm-hmm. So go to your, if you're, if you don't have the funds for buying it, go to your library and see if they have it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you do have the not- funds, you can, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, we we highly encourage you to let, uh, you know buy a copy and then give it to someone and say, check mm-hmm. this out. There is nothing wrong with giving a book to somebody and getting that out into the world. You know, as yeah. writers, we're like, I want to be read. That's the point. So, yes. that please, is the point. buy a copy and then give it to somebody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, uh, I'm very excited about that. Okay, so uh, before we sign off, a uh, couple 
folks I have to thank. Uh, thanks to the artist Max Oakland, who reached out and provided one of his songs for our intro song, I Prefer the Dusk. Let Max know you like it and follow him on Twitter at Max Oakland with three Ds. Thanks to Halizna CCO for their song Kids for the ad break. If you're in a band and would like to, a song of yours used on the show, I'd love to highlight a listener's work like Max's song, so email that to me. Thanks to Doug the Producer. We are in process of finding a last name for Doug the Producer. So if anybody's got a good idea for a name for Doug the Producer, uh, put that in the in the comments. Um, cannot forget to mention Writers Not Writing is a production of Not A Pipe Publishing. So please go to notapipepublishing.com. Check out the amazing books written by writers who didn't procrastinate too much. Uh, if you like this show, rate and review it wherever you found it. And please check out Annie's Soul Jar, 31 Fantastical Tales by Disabled Authors. Tell a friend about it. Click on that fifth star. Write a short review. Make Annie's Day. Uh, it does not take long to write a review. Uh, click on that 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 fifth star button. It is very easy for you, and uh, and it helps Annie out. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm too old to tell you to smash that like button, but if you could tap on the like button for this show too, I would greatly appreciate it. So uh, Annie and I want to give you some advice or some recommendations for this next week. Annie, what's something people should take into their week? Um, I I have a hard time with this sometimes, but um, my advice to everyone is um, be kind to yourself. Um, and you don't have to have all the answers. You know, I'm someone, I have a lot of anxiety and I can get obsessive about certain topics um, and they just go around and around and around in my head. Have no fear. I have an excellent therapist who helps me with a lot of these things. And knitting is a good outlet for anxiety as well. So if you're looking into crafting, that might not be a bad idea if you have some anxiety. Be kind to yourself. And um, as we say in poll, leave it on the mat. Leave it on the pole. I like that. Um, and I say every week, a book without spaces would be gibberish and our lives need spaces too. So don't <laughs> ignore the spaces. And third, no matter how much you procrastinate, we're still proud of you. Yes, very proud. Thank you, Ben. If I take my time, I'm of my